are our anchor. You hold us when times are rough. And Lord, I thank you that that you are shelter for us. Lord, your word tells us that you are our protector, that you will never leave us. You've never forsaken us. And Lord, as we turn to your word now, we begin to read and study and look at how you have done that, not only for your 12 disciples, but how you do that for us. Would you open our hearts and minds to not just receive information today, but Lord, we want to be fed by you through your word. So we give you our attention and our heart. It's in your name we listen. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm not afraid of much. I... I was thinking this week, I don't have any phobias really that I'm, a, I'm aware of, not that I could think of, of a, of a real phobia. I like adventure. I'm not afraid to go places by myself. I, I actually like thunderstorms. I, I kind of enjoy that. I love driving in the snow. I know it's weird. I, I like that. That's kind of fun. When I lived in Oklahoma, when everyone else would seek shelter, I like to go out and watch the tornado. I, I'm not afraid of a whole bunch. But That doesn't mean that I'm not afraid of anything. You see, our our culture sometimes trains us up to be macho men and and powerful women that we're not afraid of anything. I don't have a lot that I'm afraid of, but I've got some things I just don't like. Now, you need to understand there's a difference between what I don't like and what I'm afraid of. I uh, will never forget, I lived in Belt, Missouri when I was in seminary, and Saturday was my sleep-in day. My wife was a school teacher at the time, and and uh, it was a Saturday morning, early, early in the morning, and I was awoken to these clanging sounds in the house somewhere. I heard this racket being made. The first thought that went into my mind is my wife, Terry, has gotten up, and she must be clanging pans or something. I don't know what's going on. It, it just, how insensitive was the first thing I thought. I thought, well, I'll give a little bit of grace. I had about 30 seconds of grace in me that morning, so I waited 30 seconds, and I kept hearing the racket, and I said, Carrie! I'm sleeping. This is kind of a loving way to inform her. Knock it off. The clanging continued to happen. There was more rattling, more things happening. Something going on. I thought, well, I I better make myself more clear. Terry, stop it. I am sleeping. Clang, 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 clang. Well, now I must wake up and let everybody in the house know, it was just Terry and I at the time, that, that this is not acceptable. So... As I get up, I walk out of the bedroom, and as I'm walking towards the sound, I remember that it's Saturday, and my wife is not home. She's at a theater rehearsal, and she was a theater director at the time, and and then, I wasn't afraid, I got concerned. There's noises going on in the house. It's Saturday morning. No one is there but me, at least not supposed to be, and I hear all this clanging. So I make my way to the top of the steps of the second level of the house, and I'm getting ready to go down, and, and I hear not only clanging downstairs, I hear clanging in the spare bedroom at the top of the steps. I open the door, and as soon as I open the door, I see a bird that comes flying at me. Now this bird, crow, eagle, condor, this huge thing came flying at me, and it went past me, went down the steps, and and as I went down the steps, I wasn't afraid. I didn't like it. I was concerned. And there, I know this is a scary image, but in there, I I didn't have time to get dressed yet, just in my boxer shorts, that went through my mind, i got to protect myself. So what would you do? I grabbed my winter parka, put it on, zipped it up, I pulled the hood over my head, pulled the strings tight so I could barely see, and I thought, i got to get these birds out of the house. And there was a bird downstairs, I saw there was a bird in the the fireplace, the flue had been left open, and now this is, this is, it's a mess. I'm not afraid, 
I just don't like it. So I go to the garage and I get two rakes and, and I begin to devise this plan that, you know, I didn't want to touch birds. I'm not afraid of them. I just don't like them, especially in close quarters. And, and this is before all the talk about bird flu, but I knew not to touch them. I, that was gross. And, and so I'm going to get these rakes and I'm going to clang them together and get the birds out of the house. Right at that moment, with two rakes in my hand, a winter parka on, with the hood tied all the way tight, no pants on yet, just my boxers, and there the door opens and Carrie walks in. She says, what are you doing? I said, watch out, they're coming for us. Now I must stress, I was not afraid, I just didn't like it. Now whether you would say you get afraid of certain things or not, we deal with fear. It's a part of life. From early on as children, we, we begin to learn the reality of fear in this world. Some have fear of snakes. There again, I don't have fear of snakes. I just don't like them. We had a snake over here a couple of weeks ago. That's why we have Pastor Edgar on the team. He goes out there and takes care of the snake. I'm not afraid. I just don't like it. Some are afraid of public speaking. Some are afraid of the dark. And some are not. But we all deal with fear of some kind or another. It may be the fear of what people think of us. It may be the fear of what we cannot control. It may be the fear of the unknown. I can vividly remember where our sixth graders are now on the edge of seventh grade, getting ready to go into seventh grade. I can remember everything about it. And for me, seventh grade meant going to a new school. With a new school meant new kids, new friends. With a new school meant a new locker and a combination. Oh, I was afraid of getting that combination right. I, I, I remember it over and over and over and, and, and dialing that in. It meant new teachers. For me in seventh grade, it meant a new youth group, like our sixth graders are going into the youth group. New friends as well, new expectations there. This new stage of life brought new freedoms, but it brought new responsibilities and also new challenges. And while middle school... I was excited. Junior high, I was excited. I was full of optimism. I had hope. I also was full of fear. And while junior high and middle school does not last forever, it's just for a few years, this fear that we can find in middle school and junior high, it, it follows us through every stage of life. It may not be the same thing that you're afraid of or concerned about or just don't like, but it follows through life, we constantly deal with this. Take your Bible and turn with me to the Gospel of Mark. We'll look at chapter 4, starting at verse 35 together. I want to share with you a message entitled, Overcoming Fear with Faith. Mark 4, verse 35. That day, when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let's go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There was also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care? Don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Be quiet. Be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. 
I want us to look in the next couple of minutes as you keep your Bible open there or your device uh, turned to Mark 4. We're going to also look at the Luke 8 passage, which is the parallel passage of the same account. We'll, we'll touch base on that here in just a minute. But I want you to begin to look for words or phrases in that scripture that stand out to you. Because I believe the Lord's going to speak to us. He's going to give you some insights, some observations. And I want to share with you some that he's put on my heart. The first is this. The things that we fear are not a problem for Jesus. Now, some of us, when we talk about fear, you know instantly what it is that you're afraid of. You know that fear is on your mind. Others, we build up these walls and we build up these things that I'm a self-made man, I'm a self-made woman. I don't fear anything. Well, there's things that that make you feel out of control. There's things that, that you don't like that you've just come up with new ways to say fear in different words. But the things that you fear, the things that you don't like, the things that make you uncomfortable, the things that you worry or fret about, they are not a problem for Jesus. You see, the very real storms that we face, it may not be an actual sinking boat, but we fear man. Scripture is clear on this issue. The fear of man in Proverbs 29 is a snare. This fear of what other people think of us can tangle us up. It can be a snare and entrap us. It often keeps us from proclaiming Christ. The fear of what others may think of us. We may lie. We may hide. We may not tell people everything we think. We may try to change what we believe or what we say we believe, all motivated by fear. And in middle school and junior high, sometimes this is the first place that our faith is tested and, and we, will be, we will be greeted with this fear of what people will think of us. This fear of man. But I need you to know today that Jesus is not wringing his hands in fear. He's not afraid of what others will think. That's not a problem for him. Also, there's this fear of measuring up. If you haven't experienced yet failing in your life, hang on, it is coming. It is a part of life. And when you know that you haven't just kind of missed it, but you failed, you have bombed, you have totally blown it, you can have this fear of not measuring up. It's not just what people think of you, but it's the own measuring stick you use for yourself. But here Jesus is the measuring stick for us. And every single failure, he has already filled in the gap. He has made it right for you. Jesus is not troubled. It's not a problem for him with your fear of measuring up. We often have the fear of our body image. It's not just what people think of us, but it's, it's how we present ourselves. And we work so hard to present ourselves a certain way. In junior high and middle school, this is one that's often at the front of our mind. And, and, and though middle school and junior high don't last forever, this pattern is through all stages of life. Don't kid yourself. Your routine when you look in the mirror, your secret wishes, your hopes, all the things you want people to see you a certain way. I'll never forget the night before my junior year in high school. We moved to Indianapolis, Indiana. And we came in. I didn't know anybody. And I was very, very aware of trying to present myself in a way that would be really cool. And I had my favorite jeans on that day. I had my favorite uh, white Oxford button shirt from the Gap. And I had my hair. I had lots of flowing hair. It was all flipping and flowing the right way. I worked on it really long and hard. And, and I had packed my brown bag lunch because didn't know if it was cool to eat the hot lunch or not. But I could be cool with my brown bag lunch. And I made my way to school. And, and that, that challenging time in any school day is the lunch hour. And I decided I was going to do the Lone Ranger thing. I was going to go out to the quad outside and, and eat out there by a bench. And, and I was working real hard to look real cool 
to make a good impression of all the new people I could potentially be friends with. And I was eating my peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And what I, I didn't realize is where I picked a seat, it was close to the trash cans. And all these bees were swarming around. And I'm sitting there totally unaware of that, looking really cool, worked real hard, doing a real good job. Oh, I was really cool. And I, I took a bite of my peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and it crunched. Now, instantly I knew something was wrong because I knew my mother had learned that I did not like crunchy peanut butter. That only peanut butter that goes on my sandwich is creamy peanut butter. If it's crunchy, they're not done yet. Send it back to the store. Let them get all that stuff out. But it crunched. And I thought, first day of school, mom messed up and put crunchy peanut butter on my sandwich. But as, as I crunched into that sandwich, it was all going real fast in a split second. That crunch bit back. There was a sting. So I pulled out the sandwich looking to find, I thought I would find crunchy peanut butter, and I saw there was a bumblebee right there in my sandwich, and I bit down into it. Do you know how hard it is to be cool when you are stung in the tongue by a bumblebee? I let out a war hoop like a little girl, and everybody turned and looked, and now being cool was like not really going to happen very much. And I figured it wouldn't be cool to go to the nurse. And so I went on to math class, went to algebra, and my tongue swelled up. And so I caught our test on the first day of school. No one knew who I was. And, and I tell you what, I don't ever remember being so aware of my body image as that day. Now, you may have had your own embarrassing moment, your own thought, but friends, we all face it. Every single person. You look at someone across the room and say, oh, they'd never ever have a doubt. They'd never have a fear. Friends, you are human and we are plagued with this thought of what do people think of who I am. And the scripture tells us, while man looks on the outward appearance, God looks on the heart. I want to tell you that your, your problem, your fear, and your body image is not a problem for Jesus. He sees your heart. For some of us, it's the fear of the unknown. It's the future. We don't know what's next for us. We don't know what's next for our family member. We don't know what will happen. Will I make the grade? Will I make friends? Will I ever have a boyfriend? Will I ever have a girlfriend? Will I ever get married? Will I ever have kids? Will my kids ever know the Lord? Will I ever have that career? What about these tumultuous years in our marriage? Will we make it through that? What about retirement? Will I have enough for retirement? What about death? How will I die? When will I die? Will it hurt when I die? All these things. If you weren't overwhelmed, maybe you are now. But you're not afraid. We're macho, self-made man, self-made woman. I'm just concerned about it. They're not a problem for Jesus. Second, I want us to catch from this passage that Jesus, he does not cause the fear. See, Jesus is preparing us for the reality of this world. We sing about it already. Jesus is an overcomer in this world. He has overcome this world. John 16, I have told you these things. So that in me, you may have peace. In this world, you will, look at that, you will have trouble. Not maybe, not sometimes, you will. But take heart. (coughs) I have overcome the world. He says, you will have trouble. There will be things that may cause fear. But if if you have me in you, I will give you peace. Take heart. I've overcome the world. And you too can overcome your fear with faith in me. See, Jesus not only does not cause fear, but Jesus will use the fear that we have to make us better. I've read this passage a number of times and 
it hasn't jumped out at me quite like this as it did this this week. Look at verse 35 with me of Matthew, or excuse me, of Mark 4. <clears throat> On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, "Let's go across to the other side." Now I hadn't noticed this before, but Jesus told the disciples to get in the boat and let's cross the other side. When he must have known the storm that was coming, he must have known how bad it would be, and yet he said, "Let's get in the boat and go." Jesus was that confident in himself, that confident in the Father, that he was not worried about the storm that he knew would come, and so he told them to get in the boat and go to the other side. There's a huge lesson to learn here. Now, I'm not suggesting that every single fear we have or every single problem or pain we have, that there is a lesson in every single one that God causes all of them. That's not what I'm saying. But I am suggesting there's so many of these challenges in life that God does teach us through, and he will work them together for the good of those who trust him. Jesus could have anchored the boat and said, we'll go at another time. He could have gone another direction, but instead he pushed his disciples forward. Forward into the gripping fear. James 1, 2-3 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. These things that can cause us to be fearful, these things that can be challenges in our life, the Lord uses them to stretch our faith, to grow our faith. Romans 8:28 and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. It doesn't say that God causes all things, but he says for those who love him and trust him, he will take all things <coughs> the good and the bad and he will work them together for the good of those who trust him. Now, don't don't misunderstand, don't miss it. If Jesus wants to make you better through these Satan wants to make you bitter. Satan wants to do everything he can to lock you up in fear, to to get you all paralyzed in fear. He wants you to be so paralyzed in fear that you'll become bitter, that you will turn on those around you, that you will turn even on yourself. You will turn even on God. In 10, it says, The thief comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. Jesus wants to take our fear and bring good out of it and make us better. But Satan wants to eat you up and make you and make me bitter. See, we not only can learn lessons from what Jesus is experiencing, the disciples are experiencing, but there's a huge thought here that we need to get Jesus involved. When he's present, it changes everything. See, when the disciples worked, the storm raged on and their fear, it increased. See, this wasn't the first time the disciples had been in a boat. It wasn't the first time that they'd been sailing. It wasn't the first time that they'd encountered a storm. And so no doubt when the storm came up and the waves began to come over and the boat began to take on water, they would have bailed out the boat just like you would have in your your fishing trip. They would have done everything they know to do to try to save themselves. And they, they weren't just terrified of a boat. This was a major mode of transportation for them. But when they saw the storm was more than what their work could handle, more than their sailing expertise, more than their bucket could bail out, they began to panic. Their fear increased. They cried out, Lord, don't you even care? We're going to die. But when Jesus worked, the storm stopped and their fear, it vanished. 
When they called and cried out to Jesus, and Jesus came and he stood and he spoke to those waves. He spoke to the wind. The, the, the storm stopped. And as fast as the storm stopped, their fear subsided. Their fear vanished. But yet, as their fear of the storm went away, their amazement, or even their healthy fear, respect, and awe of Jesus took hold of them. Who is this man? That the wind and the waves listened to him. They knew who Jesus was. But this very encounter with the very Son of God, commanding nature at his whim to do what he said, caused them to shift their fear from the exterior and turn it to awe and trembling and saying, Who is this man? There's a difference when they worked and when Jesus worked. This final thought. Well, what do we do with this? We need to recognize the miracle. And I believe this very day, Jesus is still doing miracles and wants to do a miracle for you today. And I can guarantee 100% that Jesus wants to do one of these two miracles in your life today. Maybe not both, but one of them today. See, Jesus may choose to calm the storm and take away your fear. We find that in that Mark 4 passage that we've been reading. He may choose to speak to the wind, to the waves of that circumstance, of that situation in your life, and he bring it to a complete calm and take away your fear. He could choose to do that. That may be what he wants to do for you today. But he waits for us to cry out to him. He waits for us to call on him. Jesus knew the storm was coming. Taking a nap on the cushion in the hole of the boat. But it's when the disciples said, Jesus, that he came And their faith was strengthened as they put their trust in Him. But for others, Jesus may choose to give you peace in the midst of that storm. John 14, 27, Jesus says, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and of heart. And the peace I give isn't like the peace the world gives. So don't be troubled. Don't be afraid. Brady, this is good. Good talk. Make sure our 6th graders, soon to be 7th graders, understand how fearful junior high can be. No, that's not the point. That's not what I'm trying to say. Middle school is an awesome time. Well, make sure you tell all those people who are afraid of cats to stop being afraid of cats. They don't need to be doing that. That's not what I'm saying. 100%. We all deal with fear of some kind. Not me. I'm not afraid of nothing. I just don't like certain things. I'm not afraid of birds. I just put on a park and cinch up the hood and get rakes because I don't like them in my personal space. Friend, Satan doesn't care what you call it. Fear. You have to be in control. You don't like being out of control. You're a perfectionist. You're a particular. Whatever it may be. Satan wants to use it to get you all knotted up, living in this paralyzed state where you become bitter with others, with yourself and with God. And Jesus is saying, let me bring a peace to your life. Let me bring a calm to the storm. Would you let me give you hope? I would like to invite our sixth graders, soon to be seventh graders, to just come and kneel. I'm going to have mom and dad stand behind them. If you're here and you participated in our rite of passage, or if you're in sixth going into seventh grade, you just come, even if you weren't a part of that. Just kneel here.
Mom and Dad, you just come behind them. Put your hand on them. Come gather around. I just want to pray for you. If you're here today and you're not in sixth grade going into seventh grade, but there's something in your life, you say, you know what? This is for me. There is a fear that I'm dealing with. Oh, maybe I don't call it fear, but there's something that's crippling me, and I need the peace of Jesus in my life. I want to invite you to come. In a moment, as we pray for our our, our students, I want to pray for you as well. You just come kneel here. If you can't kneel, just have a seat in the front row. We just want to talk to God together. If that's you, you just come right now. Students, look at me. You are now mature. Grown up. Teenagers. There's nothing wrong with being able to be honest and admit that there's things that scare us. That's life. Anybody who tells you they've never been afraid, they're not telling you the truth. But the fact of the matter is, Jesus says, when you put your faith in me, I will help you overcome that fear. It's not just faith in anything. It's not how much faith you muster up. I could have faith that I could get on the top of this building and jump off and fly. And I could have sincere faith, but I'd be sincerely wrong and bruised and wounded. But it's the focus or the foundation of my faith. When my faith is in Jesus, he's the one who brings peace. Can I pray for you? I'm glad you said yes, because I'm going to pray for you anyway, even if you don't want me to. Let's pray together. Jesus, I thank you for these young men. These young ladies down here, Lord, I thank you for how you have knit them together in their mother's womb. You know every single thing about them. When you look to them and say, come on, let's get in the boat, let's go on the other side, let's go to seventh grade, let's go to student ministry, you are aware of the storms that are ahead in their life, not just in junior high, not just in high school, but the rest of their life. That, Lord, you are not afraid of the problem. It's not a problem for you. You can calm the storm. You can give peace in the middle of the storm. And so, Lord, I just ask that you would give my friends, these brothers and sisters, would you give them a faith in you, Jesus, that can overcome the fear that Satan wants to get them gripped with. Lord, some of them right now, they know exactly what it is they're afraid of. They know exactly what it is that, maybe they're not afraid, but but they don't like. They know exactly what makes them worry. Lord, would you give them the ability right now to place that in your hand and to call out to you. Thank you, Jesus, that you teach us a lesson here. When we cry out to you, you answer. You bring peace. May they cry out to you right now. Lord, I thank you for those who are not in sixth grade anymore, not in seventh grade anymore. But they too can testify that this goes through every stage of life. Lord, I pray that you'll bring peace to my sister right now. Lord, I pray that you'll speak calm to the storm in her life. And I thank you in advance, Jesus, for the touch, for the miracle that you're going to bring. It's in your name, Jesus. We not only pray these things, it's in your name that we have hope. It's in your name that we have peace. Amen and amen. Thank you, students. As our students find their seats, would you stand with me? Friends, I challenge you on this day, no matter where you go next, lunch, home, you're going to go do some family things, whatever it may be. 
Would you go knowing that your faith in Jesus can overcome the fear that Satan wants to be a roadblock in your life? May the peace of God flow all the way over you, saturate you all the way to your core, till you know without a shadow of a doubt that you may be concerned. He is not concerned. He is in charge. God bless you. You may go in his peace.